Welcome to Broomwagon, your weekly dose of bicycle, bicycle people, bicycle stories, gravel roads. Yeah, today I'm recording this intro and also the outro from a park and because I decided that maybe something like some outdoor things in this outdoor season would be a great idea and a great solution. I didn't consider though that actually in the parks there is, uh, there is a bit of noise of cars this park is kind of a kindergarten park, so that's why close here around there are a lot of carts because it's normal, no? You let you you let play your kids in the middle of the street, like I was doing when I was a kid, but that's another story. And actually, I didn't consider as well also the kids that are making making a noise. So until they're not crying and shouting, it's gonna be fine. Hopefully, it's gonna be everything alright. And yeah, thanks a lot to be here. That's the thing that you must do all the time, and you must say actually all the time. And thanks especially to my sponsor this year. 3T, who is providing me with a bicycle that I'm training a bit in this period. I'm talking about the 3T Explorer. Pretty cool machine. Yesterday I was uh, contacting uh, Alex, who is the product manager in Italy, about which kind of tire should I put on on my bicycle for the resistance that I'm going to do in some weeks. Actually, we agreed that probably uh, the best solution is a WTB by way. Even if it's a bit big, we are talking about a 37 millimeters tire. Anyways, it's the best compromise between, yeah, let's say something like a mix between a road uh, tire and the mountain bike one. I think I'm gonna find a lot of good solutions out with that one. I want to tell you as well my contacts, yes, because I still need your contacts and everything you want because feedback is the favorite thing that I can receive here. And yeah, hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email. Then instagram.com, calamaro.cc or calamaro.cc is just my Instagram account. And twitter.com slash calamaro, my Twitter account. On Facebook you will find me as well with the calamaro.cc tag and uh, Spotify. Broom Vagoon on Spotify is always there and then Apple Podcast and then Spreaker that is always the host of my amazing thing called Broom Vagoon in precise, precisely a podcast. What else I want to mention? Nothing. Today was a shitty day at work because somebody is just hassle. You will find hassles. I can say that probably I'm finding a bit more of hassles here in Zurich than I was used to be to do in Berlin. In Berlin, people were a bit more relaxed than here. But anyways, you can find hassles all around and uh, you can recognize them by their behaviors and their aggressivity. But yeah, just write me in private and I will tell you the story if you want. It's just a sad story with stupid people. So that's why at a certain point I decided to go out from my office and uh, record this podcast from outside with my portable recording. There is a kid that actually is playing on a slide and his mom is telling him, come on, we have to leave, and he's crying. But yeah, it's so cool, so sweet. Um, today episode, yes, today's episode is about not the kid doesn't want to leave his slide. Come on, come on, man. Go and hit. That's the perfect thing. And yeah, today's episode is about a great thing, a great event that I was checking around that is going to happen actually the 3rd of September, so next Monday. 
and the name of this event is the Torino Nice Rally. You can understand from the name that it's a ride, and we need to be clear with that. It's a ride, not a race, from Torino to Nice. All gravel roads, all alpine passes. It's really something really great. No time, no racing, just an amazing ride with amazing people. And I interviewed James for that, one of the founders, actually the main ideator of it. And uh, I think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to this podcast and to this episode way more than listening to myself in the middle of the car situation i'll talk to you later okay this is an episode that is going to be in the middle of other episodes uh, but i believe that life is actually what happens between an episode and the other of podcasts so maybe i'm going too far away and uh, yeah today i'm here with james james olsen and he's a character really really into the bicycle world designer uh it's better probably for my guest to present themselves instead of myself saying bullshit. Hi, James, how are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I'm good, yes. Nice, nice to talk to you. Yeah, really nice for me. And sorry if I'm going too much off-road today, even if you need, probably you know more than myself about off-road stuff, just stop me because today it's really late. I'm a bit tired. Probably I'm going to say a lot of bullshit. So anything, <laughs> stop me. <laughs> I was trying to introduce you saying that you are a person really, really into the bicycle world. I was mentioning you are a designer, you are the organizer, I'm mentioning it right now, of the Torino Nice, but probably it's better for my, for our listener, for our audience, that now it's all yours, for you to present yourself. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name's James Olsen. Um, as you said, I, the Torino Nice Rally is uh, something I've been involved with or started a few years ago. It's, I suppose it's another part of a life that revolves around bikes really um yeah I've, I've always been into bikes since i was a kid they've always been something that's fascinated me met a lot of my friends through cycling um it's given me some great experiences it's provided a living for me for the last 15 18 years maybe uh, including stints in bike shops and working as a product manager bike designer in the industry so yeah the the touring niece is a something else I didn't really expect or um, didn't really plan to come out of all of this. It's just something that's happened through the involvement in the bike world. And it's, it's amazing the way it's going. So. Yeah. It's a great place to be, I believe, the bicycle world. And uh, all the time that I'm speaking with people with you today, with other people of the bicycle world, I'm still more convinced. Uh, I want to start with a question that is not in plan because I like to surprise my guests straight away. How many bicycles do you have, James? Ah, good question. Uh, <laughs> not an easy one to answer on that. I know, I know. That's why. That's why. Usually I want to start in that way. It's just a matter to warm up. I never... I always have... It's a tricky one to answer because I've always got a couple of project bikes in the garage which are work-related. So the bikes I actually own that are there permanently, that are mine, uh, one, two, three, four... About uh, seven at the moment. Aha. Uh -huh. So... Not as many as I've had in the past, and I could get that down to two or three quite happily. So, um, okay, I've got, I've got the first new full, full complete bike that I bought in maybe 20 years arriving quite soon, which is a Brompton. I'm quite excited about that. Okay, yeah, just, just for getting to and from work, for travel, for transport, and mm -hmm. you know how these things are. You, you look at the way you can get it onto a train, or you can go places with it. You look at the bags you can get for it, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking of new new places to go bike touring or places I can get to that I might not have got to before on a bike. So, but yeah, it was just bought for commuting. So. 
that's going to be another one in the, in the garage soon, which luckily it doesn't take up much space. So that's an easy one to open. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brompton, this is the thing. You can also keep it actually in your living room or whatever, putting it behind the chair and it's work anyways. Yeah, I'm, um, I've been barred from keeping bikes in the house. There were a few in the house for a while, so... <laughs> okay okay i have the same problem here now i am in my studio it's actually the bicycle room because i'm not i'm a bit scared to live in them outside or in shared room with the bicycle so whatever my bicycle stays with me so no problem with that yeah but you were saying and we were mentioning at the beginning that you are the man or one of those behind uh, torino nice Tell us a bit more about the story of this race and what is it, this race or this ride. I would call it better a ride. Yeah, um, it's, it isn't a race. It's certainly a, it's a ride. It's a, a group ride. It started out, I, I put together a route a few years ago for a friend and myself to go and ride in the summer um, in an area we'd, we'd passed through, but we hadn't really explored as much as we wanted to. Um and when I got back, I put some photographs up online and a few people were asking about the route. And it was a, a terrain mix or a type of riding that interested people. They wanted to know more. You know, there's some, some incredible roads in that area, you know, the, the high altitude stratas and things like that. And there was quite a lot of interest in, in the route. And in a bit of email chat with somebody one day about passing on some route information i said yeah there's enough interest that maybe a few of us should get together and go back there next year and do it as a group ride and i'd be really you know really keen to go back and explore more and add in a couple of extra things i'd found since um and yeah one one day when it was raining at the weekends um just playing around with ideas for the ride and thought if i could if i I called it the Turin Nice Rally or something like that and presented it to a few people as a, a group ride we could do next year. Maybe a few, a few more people sign up to it or get interested in coming along. Um, and it really just started from there, just online. Um, was expecting maybe half a dozen, a dozen of us to do it, thinking that over that sort of distance people might want to go at different paces. So if there was maybe a dozen of us, you'd always be riding with three or four or five other people at least um and it sort of yeah spiraled from there really so we ended up with i think it was about 65 riders the first year wow so yeah it was amazing i mean i didn't actually know how many people were going to turn up because it was quite it's just a yeah here's the information if you're interested turn up and um got to turin the night before to see how many people would arrive for dinner and there was there was a lot more than i expected it was, yeah, it was great really good evening good fun amazing yeah, and actually, you were something. So before to to build up this amazing experience for all the people with you, and also for yourself, I believe, were you a guy participating to a lot of this kind of gravel race, gravel rides, or you were just riding by yourself and discovering, and then you wanted to have company? How actually was the the mechanism that made you, let's say, invent this new format? Um good question i'm not sure I, I i'm not a racer i've done races in the past um there was part of the idea of the reason i was looking for the the high altitude military roads i was looking for those big open views and the gravel tracks that um the sort of thing you get on the great divide route that, that sort of that sort of racing was always fascinating me you know the great divide race the tour divide um i was looking to do more of that kind of terrain um you know, you, you don't get those big open plains like you do in the Midwest America. Uh, but one thing I really liked about the you know, gravel byway type riding is um, 
in the UK, road riding can be a bit not stressful, but you know you have to be you have to have good road sense to ride safely in a bunch on on the road in the UK. The roads are busy. Um, the drivers aren't always as sympathetic towards road riders as they could be. And I just don't find it a particularly social thing. You're stopping partway round is sociable, but the ride itself tends to be more about the riding. Um, and mountain biking, you know, it's, you can go go through a section of single track, and you know, you're, you're really focused on the ride. You're looking at what's going on in front of you. You're concentrating on the the technical terrain and the challenge. And then you get to the end, and you know, you're all fired up and excited about the ride you've just done and what's talking about it. And so that that aspect of it's really sociable, but what I really enjoyed about these big open byway type tracks and the gravel bike type of riding was that we just found myself out riding with friends, just riding along side by side, chatting as if you would do on a very quiet country lane. But being off road was was a really nice way of doing it. And because of the terrain, because you know, it's not single track, it's not technical, um, you're not really concentrating on the terrain itself so much. You've got more time to just concentrate on the views just chat it's it's just a nice relaxed way of riding um so i just found myself doing more and more of that and i've always been into that kind of um you know all road gravel bikes but I, I think before i really knew what a gravel bike was fairly recently um i suppose it's probably getting on for 10 years ago now i put together a bike called the quad affair for genesis bikes and that was a, a steel frame and fork disc brake cyclocross bike that's really i used it for country lanes, bad road surfaces in the UK, um, byways, just, just riding and exploring where I didn't want the technical ability of a mountain bike and I just wanted to cover more ground. Um, so the Twin Nice route was looking for more of that kind of terrain, thinking, well, you know, how far can you push this idea of having a bike that handles big alpine coals and long distances on the road as well as some of these high altitude military tracks that can get quite rocky as well can you have a good bike that does both of those equally well so yeah yeah yeah. i, I really like actually your philosophy of saying and that's something that i also heard from neil rogers from cycling tips and he was telling me yeah now people are just sick of being on the road because yeah, drivers are a bit more aggressive and you are risking your life all the times. And if you want to really enjoy with friends and explore and staying along the whole line of the streets, you need to go off-road where there are no vehicles that can actually bother you so much. And I really like actually also uh, combining the concept that you were saying, combining being relaxed, riding off-road, plus the amazing views that you can have only when you are riding really outside so going uphill in the alpine climbs and really have a huge view all around you it was exactly the same experience that i uh, enjoyed this it's still summer but this summer while going for one of the climbs that you actually can that you actually usually include in the torino nice that is the color della finestra this is actually the kind of experience that i like over there but you usually talking still about the Torino Nice experience and everything. Uh, do you usually uh, let people ride uh, all the times to the same path, or you choose something new every year? Um, the basic route's been the same since the first rally. Um, it has it has changed. So uh, there's, there's new route files every year, partly because. Um, Conditions along the route change. Um, there was some there was some major landslips in Molini area um, 
2000 and early 2017. So that affected the rally route last year. Um, we rode through that area as, as, as one of the optional sections goes further out and it goes through the Molini de Triora uh, area. Sorry, the Manassi de Triora area. Um, but the, the landslips there were quite severe and it makes the route arguably it's a dangerous route you know the, the road has disappeared in places and the damage is quite serious so the route had to change um, there's also been changes because as, as I ride sections more and more um, the first time you ride something yeah, it's all new that, I think that's the best the best time is the first time you ride a route going back to it there's it's the same whether you ride a local route or you ride a big route like this. I think you go back and you're looking forward to certain bits, but then there's also bits you think, yeah, getting from there to there, it's not it's not so good. The road's a bit busier or it's a climb that doesn't really, it doesn't give you the rewards that the other climbs do. Um, so the sections that have been taken out and replaced by other um, you know, easier sections because you know, the, the route doesn't need to get any hillier or any harder. Um, there's other bits where it just makes more sense to go a certain way through a town area just to get supplies or there might just be a nicer way through the town that takes you past some you know, the old town area, a market street, something like that. So very minor changes. The fundamental the sections of the route that make it what it is haven't changed that. Yeah, yeah, I can see. I can see exactly the point. You were mentioning before you were calling the Torino-Nice a rally. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm a bit ignorant on the topic. Why is it a rally? What is it? What is it actually? What's a rally? Um, I suppose it was linked to um, thinking about the way the rally drivers will drive on the road between um, stages of a rally and then um, you know, rally the off-road sections. So I suppose that there are some sort of, you know, like Grinduro, that's a good example of an event. People, that really is like a car rally. You'll take it easy between sections and you'll have a race time section and then you get get to the next race time section, so like enduro mountain biking. So it's not really a rally in that sense. It was just, um, yeah, the mix of terrain, the fact it goes over the cold terrain, you know, it's just like a classic um, classic section of the, the Monte Carlo rally. Um I've, I've seen a number of times touring in a couple of areas of France that I keep going back to, um, you get these classic car rallies and it's just so good to see you know, a dozen classic old Triumphs or Jaguars driving along through somewhere like the Gorge de Verdun and people are out there just enjoying the route, the scenery, they're stopping in the cafes and restaurants along the way, enjoying you know, food, drink, it's a social thing, uh, it's just it's a tour, like-minded people, um, it's often about the type of car that you often see. There'll be you know, half a dozen Triumphs, and in between it will be you know, somebody else in an old Mini or something like that. But you know, it's all the welcome. It's not. Uh, it's, there's nothing elitist about it. And I've, I've always, I'm not particularly into cars or rallying, but there's something about that. I thought if I wasn't, if I wasn't in this area on my bike, that's how I'd like to see it. You know, I'd join him. I'd buy myself an old classic car, and I'd love to do one of those rallies. So. Um, I suppose just as a way of just trying to differentiate it from a lot of the events now that are races and trying to make sure it's more of a sociable thing or take away, to make sure that just take away that racing pressure and just see what happens when people don't see each other as competitors or they're not 
judging themselves or anyone else on based on the time that they finish in or the progress they're making they're just they're just there with a bike in a great place to just enjoy it yeah 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 uh, actually another thing that actually uh, hit my curiosity out there about actually yeah i can completely understand the spirit is not a race you are seeing actually the people that are riding with you not with like competitor but like i don't know i would say uh companion of your of your journey and that's really nice but also i was reading that the ride itself doesn't have any cost it's for mm-hmm. free right so you can subscribe for free or yeah, more or less that's true um yeah well, i suppose the first year it was a here's a route um here's a basic website that just shows some of the the great places and the roads that you'll pass through and if you want to come along just turn up did the same thing for the second year and then realized that the interest and the numbers were, were building and the, the only reason there's a one pound fee this year is because i needed to put some sort of some, some boundaries on what the rally was and what entry meant and it's mainly about my own liability um as it gets bigger the liability risk increases so i had to do something about that which um if there wasn't those liability if there weren't any concerns about liability um it would have stayed the same but there is uh there is a sort of a commercial side to the end the torino nice rally is definitely a it's a non-committed non-profit thing but there is a um if you wanted a rally patch or the sort of brevet cards that we, we get made for the event if you donate to the foundation that the rally supports you can get one of those in return and but that's that's opt-in you know you ride the rally with or without the patches and that's just if you want them great it supports a foundation that's something outside of cycling that you know, i have an interest in and it was great that the rally could support that so yeah 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 completely see the point it's more something like let's generate together a good ride and a good experience for everybody and then just contribute to the association there and uh, and you get you will get something like a part of an amazing yeah, experience. And it's, it's just not about the, the money. I think the roads are there. The roads are free. Creating a route is something I enjoy doing, and um, I didn't expect it to grow in the way it has done or capture people's imaginations. But yeah, the, the scenery is fantastic. There's been some really talented photographers who've ridden the routes and really made it look. You know, they, they've really captured how how incredible it can look and. Um, yeah, it's, it's got more and more popular, but I, I, I think if you, um, I find it really interesting that you can put something like this together when it's non-commercial and there's no money in it for me, um, what does that do to the way that you promote the event or the way that you handle the entry or what happens to the event in the future? I think if this was a business, it'd probably be run quite differently. There'd be a lot more promotion. And I think it's... It's easy to over promote something these days. I think there's some events out there that the, the, the real beauty of them was they were quite underground. And if you looked, if you were interested in that scene and that kind of racing, you would find these events. And if you really want to enter, you'll find out how to enter. And you'll, okay. And I think that, that that's quite interesting. Yeah, 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 no, it's really, really, really interesting. You were talking about the huge success that you're having with the Torino Nice rally talking about numbers so you already mentioned the 65 participants but how many people are you looking for this year um this year we had to put a limit on the numbers because i think it's quite clear um i'd like to say it's clear early on because if it was i'd have been able to handle it better i think but um so towards the spring the, the number of people on the mail list that seemed genuine genuinely interested in entering was way beyond what i think would be 
right for the event, the fact that you know it starts right in the centre of Turin. Um, I haven't got any you know official permission from the authorities um, to do this, and I thought you know if there's too many people there and you start putting up sponsor banner flags or anything like that, then then it really becomes an official event and um, all the complications that go with that. I also think that. Um, what worked so well in the first couple of years was the event was small enough and it was a it was less well known at the time so the people that turned up had you know, they'd, they'd gone to the effort of finding out about something they'd chosen to do something that maybe not a lot of people knew about and it was um you know, quite a small sort of club of riders or a, a group camaraderie feel um if it got too big i think we'd lose some of that so and also the, there's no incentive to get more riders in because it makes us more money. So why not keep it at a, a level where it's a great experience? You know, the, the, the group of riders doing it is small enough that, you know, you could probably chat to half the people who are entering the night before at dinner. Um, I think keeping it to those sorts of numbers just feels more, more responsible to the areas we're passing through as well, you know, because riders don't spread out that quickly in the first day or two and a big part of bike packing is is camping out um i think if all of a sudden there was like 500 riders doing the rally at starting at the same time and 300 of those guys are, are all camping in the same area on the first night you know local people or people in the area might start wondering what's going on i don't i think generally people are are responsible and um, it, it wouldn't cause problems, but I think it would be noticed. So having a low impact is a big part of this as well. Okay, okay. So uh, um, I didn't completely get it. Do you know the number or you want to keep well, it secret? The, the, we're going to have less than 200 riders each year. Okay, ah, but still a lot. Come on. It's a lot compared to the first year, yeah. yeah. Uh, I put a limit on it thinking that if it goes over 200, then I think it is getting it. That's, I mean, that's in some ways that's just a number plucked out of the air. It was like 200 would let us offer enough places, so there's a good chance that most people who want to ride can ride. Um, there's quite a lot of people have ridden it over the summer as groups, um, sort of July, August. It's, there's people out riding it at the moment, so the, the pressure's off the, the actual mass start event on the third because people are choosing to ride it when, when it fits with them, when it works with their, their holidays and things like that. So, but I, I think it'll be smaller next year. I think 200 this year is what we needed to do to keep. You know, to, to, I don't like disappointing people. <laughs> it's actually quite hard to say. No, there's some, some people have emailed a number of times about the event and they've asked questions about it, and then you find that that, that chap that you know has been obviously seems really excited about the ride wasn't able to enter before. Basically, the uh, the numbers of entries that came in they came in at such a rate I had to just close the entries before it got out of hand. Um, and there was then emails from people said, yeah, I wasn't able to get in in time. I was you know, late home from work that day or I was away somewhere. And yeah, we've managed to work it out. You know, quite a few people have, <clears throat> have entered and then dropped out later. And we've been able to find places for most people who wanted them, which is good. So just to save me uh, a number, <laughs> many emails next year, I think it's going to manage it slightly differently and uh, manage expectations better so i'll be uh, forewarned for next year okay but you usually make uh, a selection out of it or it's just first come first serves or you are making invitations <clears throat> no it was first come first served um there's no, no 
no selection process or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the reason for the entry terms and the you know, pay a pound to sign up, which basically creates a you know, creates a contract with the terms of entry, was that um, that that gave me a way of just explaining that all those lovely sunny Instagrams you see, you know, nice views and all that. People don't take photos when the weather's bad. When it's chucking it down and you're freezing cold, the camera stays in your bike bag and you know, all you think about is getting warm and getting some shelter. So it'd be easy as the event gets bigger with this um, you know, party pace attitude. Sort of, it's, it, it's not a race. It's easy going. I think it would be easy for people to underestimate how tough and how, how potentially harsh the conditions at 2,500 metres in the Alps can be. So um, the terms of entry was a good way of just saying formally, you know, it can go, it can go wrong. <laughs> you, you could get to the third or fourth pinch flat of that descent in bad weather, and it, it's not, it's not a good, good situation to be in. So um, I think that was that was a, a good reason for having those, you know, those terms and yeah. clauses sort of written out, really. Yeah, still talking about the people, the participants, which kind of person are taking part to the Torino Nice? Um, I don't think there really is a typical rider. Um, I think it's seen... So the last couple of years, is, um, just get ask people to confirm if, they, if they're joining us for dinner the night before, just simply so that the, the, the guy that runs the restaurant knows how many to expect. I've also asked people, you know, what kind of bike are you riding? And the, at the moment, there's definitely a... Um, it's, it's towards the gravel bike side of things. I think it's definitely grabbed the attention of the gravel riders. And a lightweight drop bar, but fat tire bike makes a lot of sense on the route. Um, but, you know, we've had people with traditional touring bikes with four panniers, um, mountain bikes, full suspension bikes, um, people trying to do it on very lightweight road bikes and then taking road diversions or taking the more you know, the smoother route options or shortening the actual off-road strata sections. So it's quite an adaptable route, and for me, that's 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 one of the really interesting things about the ride. Is it, it doesn't really it doesn't have a typical rider or a typical bike. It's um, something that a lot of it's, it's very inclusive. You know, it feels like a lot of different riders come along, and once everyone gets out there and gets riding, and they're up there, it's it's very um, I'm not sure what the word is. It's quite it's quite leveling. You know, everybody sort of forget about what what kind of rider or what kind of bike you, you are um, and just get on with enjoying enjoying the experience really i suppose yeah and uh, talking about which one is actually your favorite spot maybe or really this place that is breathtaking while you are riding which one are you, your favorite spots or in general the spots mm. of the of um, the track that you consider the best ones yeah tough question <laughs> One one thing the reason the reason I really love this route personally is most routes that I do most big rides I don't really have the urge to go back and do them a second time. Um, for me, it's about being somewhere new. You know, I don't really know what's around the corner, or I don't know how far this climb keeps going on for. I don't know what the train's going to be like. That I, I like that aspect of ride the unknown. Um, Whereas this route has just got enough of a mix of terrain and scenery and the way that the landscapes change through the Alps. Um, I, I could I, happily, luckily, happily I could ride this every, every year. Um, so 
I'm not sure if I've really got a favourite section. Um, I think a lot of it depends on what time of day you're in one of those places. It means somewhere, you know, I've ridden up the Izoard very late at night on a moonlit night and then been going over the top in the dark. Um, that was incredible. I've also been on that road, blazing heat, middle of the day in June, and not really enjoyed it so much at all. So, um, yeah, situations and circumstance and who you're riding with as well as the places, but... Um, the Rocco d'Armea in um, the Gardetta area. I think that's probably my favourite landmark. I'm, um, yeah, I really, I could, I could spend a long time just sitting there, just looking at the mountains, and that's that's a really striking mountain. And particularly the way the the way that you first see it, it's got a very very distinct profile. Um, as you ride around that area, the, the profile of the mountain changes quite dramatically. So from two different aspects, it's it's really yeah it's quite stunning so that, that's probably my favorite landmark but yeah it's it's hard to say which my favorite bit of the trail is i could i can listen to it it really sounds like you're really enthusiastic all the time that you're taking this ride and uh, you're you're discovering every day these landscapes that are so magic i would say yeah i think so i think it's it, yeah you could keep going back there for many years and still discover new things in that area or take a diversion and just go into a different valley and see somewhere that looks almost completely different you know it can change that much in such a small sort of fairly short distance really but you are taking part to the torino nice rally every year you are one of the participants yes yeah so as soon as, as soon as we start the ride and on the morning of the third i'm, I'm that's when all the organization and the rally uh, planning stops and yeah I'm, I'm a rider like everyone else then that's, that's the bit i'm really looking forward to that's the good bit yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah that's amazing so you don't need to take care about i don't know a service car or this or this other thing nothing like that no i've got everybody's uh, contact details just in case there are any issues so and everybody will have my details just i think it's, the event's getting to that point now where you know somebody or a small group of people need to be able to to react if there are sudden changes in conditions mm. or you know a rider's stuck and needs some help but um beyond that no, it's, it's it's an event to ride for me that that's point. great yeah joy really joining together with the participants being a participant being somebody taking part of the thing that you're organizing is the best thing that we really I believe can do. I'm talk with I talk with a lot of people that are organizing events. I was mentioning to you before Paul Arrington of uh, the Grinduro. I was talking with Nelson last week about the Silk Road Mountain Race. I've been talking with a lot of these people outside, but everybody was telling me, "Yeah, unfortunately, I cannot take part of it uh, because I need to be in the car helping people and this and that." looks like in the Torino Nice it's really something that yeah you're you're enjoying it all the time and every day for now yeah I'm a rider like everyone else once it starts so yeah let's hope that continues but yeah it's um, I was reading actually something like your updates or whatever also in the organizational some in the organization sometimes there are some problems right I was reading about a problem that you have with the insurance um yeah I think it's fair to say it's actually very difficult to get an event like this insured um the the way I I can now understand much better why some of the events out there do charge what some say is they, they think is a fairly high entry fee. It's because you know, being organised to a level where an insurance company sees you as a you know a safe um, safe proposition. It's it's, it's difficult. Um, so 
if I put in place control points and there was spot tracking and there was emergency backup or the control car, things like that, insurance companies would start to look at this event as, as more realistic. Um, I'm not quite sure I understand why, but when you say to people that, yeah, it's self-supported, you start in one place, you ride somewhere else, to me, that's just like a touring holiday. You know, it's the sort of thing I do. So many people do things like that every year, and it's... I don't see I don't see riding a bike as an unsafe thing. I think yeah, we all we all look out for ourselves and each other when we're doing things like this. But um, I suppose for an insurer, when you say yeah, you know people are riding at two and a half thousand meters plus, they're riding off roads, they're riding on tracks that have got you know unprotected long drops to the side. Um, one section of the rally route got nicknamed the death road which i don't think was a great thing when you know, i'm talking to an insurer about my you know due diligence risk management and say so, so this section on the route is nicknamed the death road why, why is that so it is actually a potentially it is a dangerous road but then most roads in the alps are potentially dangerous so um i think we've just had to accept that this isn't likely to be an easy event to ensure to cover that way, but it's it's, it's run by the Torino Nice Limited Company. So it's run by a limited company that was formed to um, to distance organisers from the event itself in in that respect. So um, <clears throat> should anything happen with the event, it's it's managed through the limited company. The limited company has no assets. It's not you know it's a non profit organisation. Um, yep. It actually costs money to put the event on. It's not very. It's not a large amount, but you know we have a. There are no assets to the company. It's not. Um, it's not something that would be worth suing for anything. And the parts of the reason the terms of entry were put in place this year was just to say, yeah, we've made it very clear what the event is and isn't. And if you are doing this, you are a participant of the rally. But if you do something else, then you're simply in the Alps riding your bike and you have to take responsibility yep. for yourself and you, by by even being in a position to consider riding an event like this you have to have some appreciation of you know, the basic risks that are involved in riding a bike on public roads or <clears throat> high altitude tracks in the mountains so I don't think I don't see this as a as a risk as a higher risk as a potentially um, as an insurance company might um, but it's, it's certainly something we've got to keep a close eye on because you know it isn't a risk that anybody wants to take. Um, <clears throat> it's certainly not a, something you want to um, underestimate the risk of because you know, it potentially could be very expensive. Um, it's, it's a very, very small risk, but um, the, the cost of something like this going wrong or mis, uh, misjudging how, how the event or the management of an event like this would handle some of the things that have happened in long distance racing in the last few years um it's yeah. it's not something to be taken lightly so it is something we've spent a lot of time <clears throat> excuse me uh, something we've spent a lot of time looking at and you know trying to judge what level of risk we're taking on mm -hmm. yeah 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 i can see completely i can see completely the point well, going back to the ride itself and the ride of 2018, where can we follow you? How is going to happen? When is going to be the day you're going to be starting? 
all the information of that. Um, so the ride will be starting on September the 3rd in the morning. Um, everybody that's entered so far will be will be there. Most of us will be having dinner in the square the night before. Okay. Um, for following the event, um, this isn't really... I mean, on Instagram, um, lots of people, if they're posting images, they'll be tagged with Torino Nice Rally or 3TNR hashtag. So that's a good way of just seeing seeing things through the rider's eyes as they, as they ride. But there isn't any live spot tracking or... Uh, you don't need it. It's a ride, it's not a race. Exactly. We, I think it's, it's it's up to the riders how much they share of their rides as they go along. I'm, personally, I'm quite a big fan of just turning the phone off and riding my bike for a couple of weeks. So um, I don't tend to post a lot, but um, certainly there'll be, there'll be a torino nice rally related stuff online if people want to follow that around that time so if you go on to the um torino nice website there'll be some links to um any good places to to find that information so social media links and everything is going yeah, to be there yeah. i think it's fair to say that that isn't an aspect of the ride i'm i'm particularly uh good at or hugely interested in because i think it, it's down to the individual riders how much they they put out there and how much they share on social media and at that point once the ride starts well it's your ride and if you want to share it that's great and you know, i'm um, very grateful for each year there's there's always you know some good great photographers who, who share some images that i tend to use after the event um just to you know give give a feel of the, the landscapes and things like that on on social media so yeah, thanks a lot then, James. If you want to add something, I believe that this is the moment because we are going through the wrap of the episode. Okay, um, no, I think that that covers everything. I think. Um, Great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, for, thanks for giving me the airtime. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Uh, thank you actually to be to be here, and I believe that yeah, the season let's call it the season of this year, this 2018-2019 uh, episodes of Broom Wagon really would love to have people like you just sharing with all of us the experience, the enthusiasm and how you feel good while you're riding the bicycle, exploring and just enjoying the environment instead of being slave or social media, what's um, performances. It's also another part, and we're going to talk about that anyways, of the, of the cycling world. But yeah, the one that we really like is the one that makes yourself on top of a bicycle relax that's and enjoy good. life. Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about for me these days. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, James. It's a pleasure. And yeah, enjoy your evening then. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks a lot, James. Really inspiring and really everything, really. When you're thinking about adventure on the bike, you think about, at least I think about something like this. Just going out, be with friends, meet new people, 200, not more and talk with all of them and enjoying some amazing views in the amazing Piedmont and the amazing Ampine. Maridem, Alpi Maritime, maybe better to say it in Italian. Thanks a lot, James, and for all of you, just follow all the links that are here in the description below and give some support to these guys because they are doing something great. This is the third edition and every time is a best one, the best one. Every year is the best one. So thank you guys, just if you like and bless you, uh, sorry, somebody was easy. And uh, thanks a lot for you for listening to that. If you like the episode, this kind of freestyle episode, just remember to, I don't know how to, what to do, something like subscribe to my channel, if there is one, subscribe to the Apple podcasting, share it with, with whatever you want, please, I need this support. Just give me a bit more motivation in this kind of transi transition period that I'm living 
this would be super amazing. Or just contact me. Hello at calamaro.cc. That's my email. Facebook.com calamaro.cc. Facebook account. Instagram.com slash calamaro.cc. Or just calamaro.cc on Instagram. This is my Instagram account. And then Twitter.com slash read calamaro. This is my Twitter account. Then look for Broomwagon or Broomwagoon on uh, Spreaker and then Spotify or iTunes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not iTunes. It's Apple Podcast. Thanks a lot for that. And thanks a lot to 3T who is coming with me with this adventure. I will let you know a bit more about what I'm going to do at the end of September. The 22nd of September to be precise, probably 23rd, is this race called La Resistance. But you're going to know a bit more because I'm trying actually to interview Adam that is the organizer of it. You're going to know something more. I will talk to you next time. Ah, no, maybe you just want to have from my side a couple of updates on what's going on at the Silk Road Mountain Race because the first two episodes of this season were about the Silk Road Mountain Race. Well, people that I'm following... The people that I'm following are Max, who actually scratched after the first checkpoint because he got problem with the stomach and he was really lagging behind schedule. So he decided that was not worth it to continue. But anyways, he's still there in Kyrgyzstan, making a lot of picture and everything, following on Instagram. The link is here below. Then there is Bank Stealer, who is crashing and cracking everything. He's still there. And there is John, John Woodroof that actually is right now the Lanterne Rouge or La Maglia Nera as we say for the Giro d'Italia they are is just really really riding against everything against the snow against the heat against the puncture against everything and is doing really 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 an amazing job maybe if you want we can talk about also the winners already of the race because there are some there are some people that already yeah finished the race and arrived to checkpoint number four and yeah cracked really cracked already the race so the first one was jay petaveri petaveri sorry jay petaveri that actually finished it in a bit more than seven days and everybody else close to him but we care a bit more about the last ones and we care a bit more about who is living this adventure everybody all of them i think that they are now in the race of like 30 not more they are doing an amazing job listen to the podcast of these guys it's really super interesting as well and all the pictures that are posting on the instagram and everywhere just i think that you can follow the the hashtag over there i'm gonna put the link as well here below to see what a cool adventure is the silk road monte race that's all guys just and i will talk to you next week ciao ciao and yeah this is the soundtrack that you were looking for right the kids screaming yes that's it ciao ciao Thank you.